If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 149 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but those Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here in a new month, August 7th, 2022. Well, I hope you're all having a good day. Hope you had a good week. I'm not in a great mood because, uh, well, I'm doing things a little different today. Let me explain. I'm actually recording right now in the middle of the Yankee game. I just don't feel like waiting until after it's over because it's probably not going to be over until like, I don't know, at least like 5.30, especially because how slow it's going. This game started in the early to mid 2 o'clock hour, and at the time I'm taping right now, it's only 10 after 4, and it's just the fourth inning in the game. The game's going real slow. So there's a good chance that it goes into the 6 o'clock hour even. Maybe even deep into the 6 o'clock hour. I just didn't feel like starting this recording and, you know, waiting until like nighttime to start and then not having it out till like 1 a.m. So I just don't feel like doing that. So I'm recording in the middle of the game today. And because of how the game's going, I'm not in the best of moods. (laughs) Now, obviously in the last couple of weeks, especially last week, I mean the title of the episode was Pitching is Needed. As we headed up to the deadline, the deadline has, of course, passed. We will discuss it at great length today, as you could probably imagine. But the main topic of discussion has been how the Yankees have actually been in a bit of a skid lately. Lately being, at this point, maybe the last month to a month and a half, anywhere in that window of time, in the last month. And things just don't really seem to be getting better at all as they face getting swept in St. Louis today. With Frankie Montes making his Major League debut, being one of the men that they got at the trade deadline, something I was very happy about, especially the little that they gave up, which I do think the Yankees overall, with the exception of the last thing they did, I'll explain later, I think they did have a very good trade deadline overall. I'll explain that when we get to the social media segment later on, because as you can imagine, that's what most of it is about. But they've been in a bit of a skid lately, guys. I mean, they've lost, if, if they go on to lose today's game, at the time I'm recording right at this moment, just after 4 o'clock, they're losing 6-4, to four, and at risk of getting swept by St. Louis on the road, in St. Louis. They lose today, they've lost 16 of their last 25, and over and over again, the recurring theme in most games, except for the occasional game here and there like yesterday's, where the offense is just a collection of corpses, Over the last month or month and a half, it cannot be denied that the main problem with the Yankees has been their pitching, which is why we spoke about it at the length that we did last week, which is why last week's episode was titled Pitching is Needed, because it is needed, was needed, and still is. And listen, I understand that the pitching for the first three months or so of the season, three months plus, was God-tier, and that a regression at some point especially given how great they were, is inevitable in a long season like this. But this has not just been regression or just coming down to earth. This has been crashing down to earth. Hindenburg levels of crashing down to earth. 
Now, don't get me wrong. Because of today's Frankie Montes start, by the time the second inning was over, he had given up six runs. And I thought he ran into a little bit of bad luck in the first inning because he gave up a hit right into left field that would have been an ordinary ground ball to third had the shift not been on. The shift just continues to drive me insane. And then Donovan brought his hands in a little bit because he sort of flinched at the pitch, almost like a check swing and got hit by the pitch. And then after that, he allowed a hit to a Hall of Fame player, Nolan Arenado. So you know what? It is what it is as far as the first inning. He was able to stop the bleeding after that. The second inning was the really rough one where Montes just sort of unraveled. And by the time it was over, the Yankees were down 6-4. to four. So obviously a rough start, but I'm not over here giving up on any single player after only their first outing or first start or what have you. First anything on any new team, especially, I'm not making excuses, but... The guy hasn't pitched in over a week because he was dealing with some injury issues. And also, I understand that he was on the bereavement list because he had also lost his mother-in-law. So I understand the guy's been through some some really ugly stuff. And if anybody understands what it's like to lose people close to you, <laughs> you guys know for a fact that I've dealt with a great deal of that over the years. But especially within the last six months, I lost two of my grandmothers in the last six months, six months apart of each other. All right, I get it. You don't have to explain it to me. The guy's been through a lot lately. I understand it. I'm sympathetic towards it. And he hasn't pitched in over a week. So I'm being patient. And ever since he melted down in the second inning, he's he did better in the third inning. I mean, but the damage is done already. They're down 6-4. to four. They could come back. But my point is, I'm not going to get upset with anybody, especially what he's been through recently, over just one start. So it's not Frankie Montes specifically that I'm blown up about, but... What I am blown up about is just the pitching overall. What I've been saying for weeks now, the Yankees have a pitching problem. And it really stems around, and it happened again today in the second inning with Montes. It happened again today. This is what's been going on a great deal, and it continues to bite them in the ass. And no adjustments are being made. Is the Yankees have got to stop walking people. This is driving me insane now. It seems every inning almost that they get into trouble and a lot of damage is done against them stems from them walking people. They, they just, it's unbelievable. They can't stop walking people. And most of the time, it's happening with people who just either can't hit, it's against the bottom of lineups. And it's making me mental over here. I mean, listen, you're going to walk, guys. I get it. Walks happen. It's a part of the game. But at the the rate that the Yankee pitchers have been doing it at is absurd. And it seems like every time it's done, it bites them in the ass. Every time. It's a big problem. The walks. You've got to stop walking people. Especially people who just either can't hit or... They're just at the bottom of the lineup. Listen, I get walking people like Paul Goldschmidt or Nolan Arenado. I get it. You want to pitch around people like that. I totally understand. Even somebody, if you're the opposition and you want to pitch around a guy like Judge, as frustrating as it is as a Yankee fan to see that, you understand because Judge is judging. He's having the season that he's having. But the walks, especially against people who you just can't afford to give out free bases to, it's enough to make anybody mental. And every time it happens, it seems like it just falls apart after that. It just unravels, melts down. And it's frustrating to watch. You will have your days like yesterday where, unfortunately, on a day where the pitching is finally competent, then the offense just goes quiet. It happens. But you cannot argue. 
that over the last month plus where the Yankees have been in quite a skid playing at or even below 500 baseball, which yes, they can't afford to do because they're in the position they're in. We've also made that clear. I've been sure to mention that. I'm not worried about the season, the regular season at large. Look at the spot the Yankees are still in. And fortunately, the last couple of days, teams like the Jays, the Rays, even the Red Sox, the Orioles have been winning a bit, but they're still way, way behind, of course. But also the Astros, who are contending the Yankees with the best American League record now. The Yankees have lost games against them, as far as for the best record in the league. Fortunately, teams like that have been losing lately, the last couple of days. So, things have stayed where they are, more or less. But it cannot be denied that in the last month plus, it is mainly centered around the pitching being the problem for the Yankees. It's a big issue that they've had. More often than not, it's the pitching. I mean, over the span of the last month, the team is still the best in the league in scoring. So it's not the offense. Even though they will have their days, of course, like all offenses, it is not mainly the offense. It's quite obviously the pitching. And over the last month plus, they have played at or under 500 baseball, which again, they could afford to do, but it is worth mentioning. And in their last almost 30 games now, like I said before, they lose today, 16 of the last 25, dropping it. And given the season the Yankees have had, it's strange to watch. I mean, they're at risk of losing five in a row if they lose today, which is really unusual because they're even on a four-game losing streak right now. And that's the first time that that's even happened this year. And now they're at risk of losing five in a row. It's the top of the fifth now. I just saw Ben Benintendi hit a leadoff double. Let's try to get him in. Aaron Hicks is up right now, who's another one. I lived up to my word after that big home run against the Astros. I lived up to my word when I said I would not criticize him for at least a month. I wouldn't, and I and I lived up to that. But now it's time to mention again what this guy has done. He, he, has, he has two cue-shot hits today. Good for him. But before this, he was 0 for 32. He had a travesty of a play before in center field today, wearing a sacrifice fly with Yadier Molina, who cannot move anymore was running home, and Hicks just decided not to not to gun it in. Could have easily nailed him at the plate. He can't move anymore. And I'm not disrespecting Yadier Molina. The guy's a freaking legendary catcher, and I'm a big fan of him personally. But the guy can't run anymore. He cannot run anymore. You've got to throw the ball in. You can't just half-ass that. You can't. Especially if you're Aaron Hicks, you can't afford it. Yeah, the guy had his good moments here a while back. He was heating up a little bit, but my God. If not for two Q-shot hits today, he's been, he's been a corpse again. And it just it just gets frustrating having to watch this guy over and over again. So I'm sorry. It's been a while since I've criticized this guy because I'm a man of my word. But not only has it been over a month now, well over a month, but my criticisms at this point are valid. If you're just looking at it the way he's playing lately. Let's see what he does. It's 3-0 now. So Wainwright seems to be... Uh, He's at how many pitches? He's at 106 or 8? Oh my god. And I saw before that the Cardinals were... They, they weren't even having anybody up in the bullpen when he was around 100 pitches. That's unbelievable. No strike to Hicks now. Now are you going to have to excuse me as I go through this episode because I'm live reacting to the game as it's happening because I just decided to record while the game was going on today because I... And just not waiting for this game to end. All right, ball four to Hicks. All right, so they got first and second nobody out now. And Trevino should be coming up to the plate. 
Wainwright's at 111 pitches, and I know you guys are listening to this later when the game is already long over, but this is going on while I'm talking now, and it looks like Wainwright's finally coming out. So not the best of starts for the for the veteran pitcher. Wainwright's 40 now. I can't believe that. When I first became a baseball fan in like 2007, the guy was like 25 years old. Now he's 40. <laughs> is this what it feels like getting older? Because I hate it. Thank you. I hate it. <laughs> My God. Sort of a rough outing today, but he fixed himself up the last couple innings, but he had a rough start to the game. He and Montes were both just giving it up at the beginning. So, all right, well, Wainwright's out of the game now. Yankees are going to have to do some damage against the Cardinals' bullpen, so they're on commercial break now. So I'll continue more on what I was saying before, but my God, what a week just full of mayhem, guys. I mean, between the trade deadline and the Yankees just losing nearly every game this week. I even had to call last week when I did the episode last Sunday. I called that prior week just an eh week because they were like 3-3 three and three that prior week, and now this week they're losing almost all the games as their month-plus skid continues a bit here. And again... Not calling for anybody's head because the season is, you know, as far as their regular season position, it's not in jeopardy. They still have a double-digit division lead from from the Blue Jays who are in second place. They still have the best record in the American League no matter what happens today because the Astros lost to the Guardians today. Again, they lost yesterday too, I believe. And so none of, listen, none of that's in jeopardy. Nobody's saying the Yankees season season is over. And anybody who is, and I have seen my fair collection of people on Twitter saying that, it's time to get a little bit of a grip. It's all right to be frustrated over what's happened over the last month because these games have been very frustrating to watch. But to say the season's over, (laughs) you bump the brakes a little bit. (laughs) Come on. You're allowed to be frustrated though. Hell, I'm frustrated. I'm really frustrated. These games have not been pleasant to watch. Friday's game was a disgrace. I mean, Clay Holmes getting beaten by DeYoung, who's one of the worst hitters in baseball. I mean, I'm, I'm talking just about in the territory of Joey Gallo bad. It's awful. And and he, he was able to beat Clay Holmes on Friday. Yesterday, the offense was a, a, a travesty. The Yankees getting two hit. Only giving up one run. And as much as I can't stand the guy personally, I just find it really hard to root for a guy like this, Herman. Again, he did his job. <laughs> sort of like what he did against the Mets. Guy gave up one run. And the Yankees lost one nothing, and he had to take a loss for it. That sucks. So, listen. It has not been fun Yankees baseball to watch lately. So between that and the chaos of the trade deadline... Like I said, it has been a week of mayhem. All right, they just got back from commercial breaks. So let me just take another pause from that from that spiel I was just going on and see what Trevino does here. I have a mic that's actually handheld, so I could like literally pick it up and just turn to my side and watch the television. It's pretty cool. <laughs> I don't even have a microphone on an arm or anything. I just have it where you could just pick it up. It's like an old broadcaster microphone from like the 50s. <laughs> All right. So Stratton's in the game, I believe that is. I have a very old television, so it's hard to see sometimes. And Trevino just took a ball for the first pitch. All right, Benintendi's on second. With He had a leadoff ground rule double, and Hicks walked. All right, the 1-0. I just have to see this at bat because this is pretty big now. 1-0 from Stratton. Oh, it's a hit! Let's go! 
Nah, Benintendi's not going to score on that. Too hard of a hit. All right, bases loaded, nobody out. Let's go. Come on. They have to score. They have to score. I went on Twitter earlier today before the game started, and I said that I'm feeling a Yankee win today. So you best believe after that second inning when the Yankees went down 6-4 to four after giving Montes two leads, that that sucked for me. <laughs> I said on Twitter that I've, I'm feeling a Yankee feeling a Yankee win today, and you could go on Twitter and take a look if you don't believe me. The tweet is there. I have not deleted it. I own up to my takes. I'm not like other cowards who delete their crap just because it doesn't come true. So you got to take the lead after this inning and hold it. Got to hold it. Now, now Marwin's up. <sighs> He's no gift offensively, that's for sure. I took a ball outside. Okay. This probably isn't fun for you guys to listen to because you already know the outcome of this game, but I'm experiencing it in this moment. You got to understand. <laughs> All right. 1-0 pitch coming from Stratton. Let's see. Ball two. He does not have the strike zone right now. You can walk in and run. I'm fine with that. And bring up DJ who has two doubles today so far. I'm all good with that. Yeah, they're just showing it now. Gonzalez is 0 for his last 17. But it, again, he doesn't get that much playing time. So it's it's different. As opposed to Hicks, who's in there nearly every single day. Popped it up behind the plate. Out of play, thank God. That would have been a lousy out. <laughs> God almighty. Yeah, this is a big at-bat. That's why I usually don't stop recording the episode like right in the middle of it. That's usually not something that I do just to pay attention to an at-bat while the game's going on while I tape. But this is a big at-bat. They're only down by two runs, the Yankees, and a base hit could very well tie the game because Benintendi's going to score from third, of course. And Hicks is a pretty good runner, so it'll likely tie the game depending on how hard hit it is. But come on, Marwin. All right, it's two ones coming now. Three and one. Ball outside, let's go. I'm standing up for this. I'm standing up. I could literally carry the microphone with me. This is freaking awesome. <laughs> this is a very rare moment on Yapping Yankees. I have not really had many instances where I just like stop my discussion just to watch a moment going on in the game while I tape. All right, three and one. Come on. Come on, Marwin. Oh, he swung at ball four and fouled it off. Oh, my God. Oh my god, don't help him out. Come on. Don't help him out. He swung at ball four and he knows it. Damn it. Come on, DJ and Judge up next. Don't screw this up. I mean, it's it's crazy. You know, the Yankees refusing to take a walk here. <laughs> Gonzalez spoiling ball four. The Yankee pitchers walk the ballpark. You guys can take walks too, you know. <laughs> Oh my god, the umpire with a horrible call. Horrible. Oh my god, already such an abysmal job being done back there. And another horrible call. Clearly ball four, it's not even close. Oh my god, Marwin just got screwed. He got completely screwed. Oh my God in heaven! I can't. I can't. I cannot deal with with it when umpires play as big a role in derailing games as instances like that happen. That's a big game changing call. 
If that call is the right call right there, it's six to five with the bases still loaded and nobody out. That's a big call. Unfreaking believable. The umpires are going to screw this entire inning up. I mean, even if the Yankees do end up scoring and coming through here at some point, you're going to look back at that crucial, horrendous strike three call and ask, oh, what could have been if the bases were loaded there with nobody out and another run came in? What could have happened after that? And what more damage could have even been done after that? Good Lord. I, 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 I just can't. I, I can't with these umpires. I, I just can't do it. Now DJ's down 0-2 already, and after the first pitch was a bad call as well. A fastball outside called a strike. Come on. I'm sitting back down. (laughs) You guys get to hear live reactions in the midst of a big inning for the Yankees, a potentially big inning. They could, of course, get out of it without scoring anything. And DJ whiffs. Unbelievable. I mean, the guy has two doubles today, so it's tough to get mad at him, but... Oh my god, now it's bases loaded and two outs. Come on, Judge. You just can't do this. You you can't get out of this inning without scoring a run. You can't. I mean, I know the umpire is majorly to blame right now, but... This is freaking terrible. This umpire is just screwing the pooch today. I mean, it's unbelievable the job that he's doing back there. Just horrendous. Horrendous. I'm over 20 minutes in here. I'll get back to to the episode... Of course, after this at bat with Judge, I I just can't. It, it, what a horrible job by the umpire behind the plate today. Horrible. Judge just took ball one low. Big two run single earlier in the game. An absolute missile up the middle earlier. One zero coming to Judge. Outside two and zero. All right, so he's pitching around him a little bit. Carpenter's on deck. That's always good. I'm putting the volume up. Hear the broadcast in the background a little bit. Why not? I don't really care. <laughs> Clearly just just having fun today. As much fun as I can have amidst recent gameplay. <laughs> 2 0. Whoa. Hard hit to center. Is it over his head? Come on. Yes. Let's go. Two run double for. Oh my God. Let's. Go, people. 6-6. Six to six. Aaron Judge comes through again. Four RBIs on the day. Volume's up. Let's go. Hope I don't get copyrighted. <laughs> I'm just doing it because I'm excited, Yanks. All right, I turned the volume back down. Judge just tied the game. So my Yankees will win today prediction is not totally out of the question anymore. Judge just came through. I'm still pissed off at the umpire for completely screwing over Marvin Gonzalez earlier on that horrible strike three call. Just horrendous, nightmarish call. But Aaron Judge makes it okay by at least tying the game. That also takes a potential loss out of Montes' decision. Carpenter's up now. So that's 1-0. I just have to watch this now, too. It's a big moment in the game, guys. So I'm sorry for, like, freezing the episode over this. You guys can skip ahead if you want. Try to find where in the episode, at the time that you're listening, that I actually get back to discussion pertaining to the episode itself. But for now, this is a big moment in the game. So I'm just, I'm just watching right now. It's 4.30 right now. It's still only the fifth inning. 
Yeah, see, this is why uh, another horrible strike call. Another horrible strike call! On Matt Carpenter this time. If you guys see where this is on game day on the MLB app, these pitches being called strikes, it is a travesty. Oh, Boone's going nuts! Boone's going off! Let's go! You have to. You have to. I'm putting the volume back up. You have to. You have to go nuts eventually. This guy is horrible at his job. Put this guy on the unemployment line. And I'm not saying it's towards the Yankees either. This guy's been making horrible calls with Wainwright too prior in the game. There were a couple of curveballs that were clearly strikes that he called balls and Wainwright was about to blow a gasket on the mound. And now Aaron Boone has had enough. He's had it. He just went off. I think he was ejected. Because I looked away from the television, and the next thing I knew, he was already out there screaming at the ump. So I imagine, with the way that he was yelling just now, that he was ejected already. Yep, he was. Michael K. just said he's turning the lineup card over to Mendoza, so he is out of the game. I can't blame Boone. I cannot blame him. This guy's been doing a horrible freaking job all day long. Horrible job. Yeah, it's Ed Hickox behind the plate. I actually misread it before on game day. I thought it was uh, Gonzalez behind the plate, but no. Ed Hickox. Horrible. Horrible freaking job behind the plate today. Horrible. Open your eyes, guy. Get a clue. Do your job. 2-1 and one on Carpenter. Whoa, whoa, Carpenter just hit it far, but I think it's a foul ball, yep. Damn, he was just a little out in front of that one. Little bit. Now it's two and two. Carpenter has just missed a couple of home runs here in St. Louis in front of his old, old crowd, which is where he used to play, of course. And I do have to say really quick with Carpenter up at bat, big kudos to the Cardinals fans for the welcoming that they have given him since returning to Bush Stadium this weekend. They have been so good to Matt Carpenter. Seems like a really good fan base, to be honest. So kudos to you. Salute to all you Cardinals fans, if there are any of you listening. Another bad strike three. Another bad freaking strike three call! These are not strikes! They're just not strikes! You're getting a look into what it's like to watch a game with me live. I, I really do blow a gasket, especially in moments like this. The umpire completely screwed that inning up. The Yankees could have had much more than two runs there and should have. If he allowed Marvin Gonzalez to walk, and if he didn't just screw Carpenter just now. This guy just got ripped a new one by Aaron Boone and proceeds to still make a garbage call. Unemployment line. It is said by me so often when it pertains to home plate umpires, and just umpires in general. I, I'm a big anti-umpire guy because they've made it as such. That's not my problem. They've just proven to be completely and utterly incompetent at every turn. But this guy just completely screwed that inning. Completely. I'm glad the Yankees tied it up. God bless Aaron Judge. That umpire just completely screwed it all up. Ed Hickox, unemployed! If anybody was held accountable in the Umpires Association, which of course nobody is. Unfreaking believable. The umpires are gonna screw this entire inning up. 
I mean, even if the Yankees do end up scoring and coming through here at some point, you're going to look back at that crucial, horrendous strike three call and ask, oh, what could have been if the bases were loaded there with nobody out and another run came in? What could have happened after that? And what more damage could have even been done after that? Well, that's probably it for all the live reacting. Well, the game is still on, so I'll probably react a bit more as time goes along. But it's time to get back to the episode because we're almost a half an hour in here and I haven't even really hit on a bunch of my points yet. (laughs) But... Why don't we discuss the deadline a little bit? While the game's tied, you know, it's whatever. Right now, coming into the game, I have to imagine... Let's see who's on the mound for the Yankees right now. They haven't even shown it yet. Hold on. Oh, yeah, well, Abreu's probably going to continue from last inning. Montes went three innings. That's right. I barely even watched the fourth inning because the fourth inning was going on, as you know, when I just started the episode. So, yeah, Montes pitched three. And Abreu is still on the mound. Yes. So, but yeah, like I said before, it still holds true. The Yankees tying the game, if they would have gone on to lose that game, or this game rather, if they would have gone on to lose, the Montes would have taken the loss. But them tying the game at six takes the decision away from Montes, so he's just going to get a no decision at this point instead of a potential loss. So that's good for him. The offense bailed him out, and they gave him a lead, you know, right away in the first inning. They gave him a lead again after he allowed a tie game. And now they've bailed him out a third time, even after he's been taken out already. So they're having, a, they're having Montes's back today. I'm sure he appreciates that. And again, not too frustrated with him. It's one start. Certainly nowhere near giving up on the guy. I don't give up on anybody when they just start out, which is why I have also had to fight back against a few irrational Benintendi haters because he happened to go one for 22 there for a while. Because he's been on the team for all of a week to a week and a half. You just can't give up on a guy that quickly, guys. You just can't. (laughs) You can't do that. (laughs) Now it's pouring in St. Louis. Oh my God. It's pouring and the sun is still out there in some parts of the stadium. That's pretty funny. It's got a little bit of a sun shower going on in St. Louis right now. It is pouring. It's pouring. You can see it even during the regular camera view when it's zoomed out. It is torrentially pouring right now. There was some rain passing through New York, too. The Mets game got a little bit delayed. But my God, in St. Louis right now, it's raining very hard over there. Wow. Abreu has O'Neal on a 2-2 count. He's just not throwing the ball. All right, here he goes. Struck him out. Nice. It is pouring there. I got to give the pitcher some credit. When it's raining that hard, I don't know how you get a grip on the ball. <laughs> That's pretty incredible. If you keep on hearing thumps, by the way, that's me putting the microphone back down. If I happen to pick it up to look at the TV and then I put it back down, if you're sort of a... (laughs) That's me putting the microphone back down. Anyways, a lot happened this past week, guys. So, the trade deadline, of course, has come and gone. The deadline was Tuesday, as we know. A lot happened. The Yankees were pretty quiet by the time we were speaking on Sunday. But some things happened. You best believe it. We were talking about that all that had happened at the deadline leading up to last Sunday was the Benintendi trade, which we've been over. The Yankees were still seeking some pitching help. Definitely starting pitching. Could have the bullpen have some reinforcements, and they did address both, which I'm very happy about. Even more happy considering what they had to give up or what they didn't have to give up. You could also word it as. On Monday... In the very beginning of the day, the Yankees traded for Scott Efros of the Cubs. Very good sidearm right-handed pitcher. 28-year-old young arm in his rookie season. 
He had a 266 ERA when he came over here. And now in his first couple of outings with the Yankees, he is not allowed to run. Done a fine job so far. Pitching a big moment the other night in St. Louis. Did a nice job. And I think it's always good to have a submarine slash sidearm thrower out in the bullpen. It's a nice option to be able to go to. Always an appealing option. He has five years of team control left. And that five years of team control is definitely why it costed what it did. But I'm still okay with it. Because it did cost them Hayden Wesneski. Who we've mentioned his name before. I've dropped his name on Yapping Yankees many times as one of the top prospects for the Yankees. Not top five, but he's in the top ten. He was number seven at the time he got traded. So, I understand it costing him. It was just a one-player-for-one-player sort of a thing. But you want to know something? Both guys got what they needed. The Yankees needed bullpen help. The Cubs could use a good pitching prospect, which Hayden Wesneski is. A lot of big things expected from him. But the five years of team control for people wondering why it costed a top a top seven prospect is because th- that's that's why. Five years of team control left on some, on anybody, especially if they're good like Efros. That's going to cost you a bit. It's a big quality to have. So I understand it costing Wesneski. I think it could have costed worse, so I'm, I'm okay with it. And plus, if you didn't trade Wesneski, you could have lost him in the Rule 5 draft anyway. So you want to know something? I was perfectly content with this trade. Efros so far looks good. He's a fine young arm. Of course, he's probably going to have his rough days like every human being does. But I understand the cost of it. I think both clubs got what they needed. I think it's a solid move. Now, of course, I should put this disclaimer out there when it comes to any trade. So it's definitely a relevant statement when it comes to the trade deadline, and I'll probably end up reiterating it later when we talk about the trade deadline at greater length in the social media segment at the end of the episode. But it's important to say that when a trade first happens, it's impossible to say whether or not it truly is a great trade. Because, of course... It's entirely based on the results of said trade. What happens with the players? What happens with the players that you give away ultimately on the team that you traded with? What happens with them? So it's it's very much a hindsight thing when it comes to trades. So it's tough to tell. All you could do is judge based on what has happened so far with each of the players and make a judgment on whether or not it's a good trade as of right now. So... Just know that when I discuss trades, and I've said this before, but just for those of you who have not heard me say this, I I am understanding with how trades work and judging them upon them happening. But it is sort of a hindsight thing. So just know that when I judge trades, I'm judging them based on how they are now, based on the value that they have now. I don't know what's going to happen later. None of us know what happens later. A lot of people like to pretend they know what happens later, but those people are full of crap. So I'm not going to sit here and pretend like, oh yeah, this is going to work out great. Nobody knows. <laughs> there have been some some players that a lot of teams throughout history have acquired, a ton, that people expect to be fantastic that end up being a disaster. So, oh no, looks like the Yankees are giving the lead back. Oh no. And they're losing again. Mother of God. Mother of God, Albert Abreu. I have people tell me that this guy is a good arm to have out in the bullpen. I'm sorry, I I just don't see the appeal. I know ZRA is good because he has had his good outings of late, but I, I this guy just has a tendency to just cough it up. 
He just, that's a fastball right down the plate. And again, don't tell me that's DeYoung that got that hit. Don't tell me that's DeYoung that got that hit. Do not tell me that that is the second huge hit that he has gotten. It is him. I don't even know what to say anymore. I really don't. Game's still not over. It's just a one-run game, but I'm just unbelievably frustrated. This is why the pitching is to blame. This has been the problem for the vast majority of the games. The offense, I know they have their off days, but the offense on any team is going to have their off days. The main problem has been pitching. It's not up for debate, people. They can't hold leads. Even the other night when they scored three runs on Friday against the Cardinals. They're showing a slow replay for some reason with that hit by DeYoung. What happened? Are they arguing there might have been a ground rule double? Oh yeah, it is a ground rule double. It hit the railing. Unless it only counts when it goes into the stands, but if the railing is a part of it being a ground rule double, then that was a ground rule double. They shouldn't have scored a run on that. It should be second and third. What the hell, man? What the hell? (sighs) Getting beaten by Paul DeYoung. It's just not ideal. It's not ideal. This game is really pissing me off, man. These games are frustrating to watch. They really are frustrating. My God. The pitching can't hold leads. Like like I was saying before. Let me finish what I was saying before. The 3-2 lead that they had... On Friday, of course, scoring three runs is, you know, it's not a ton of runs, but they were winning three to two for the vast majority of the game. They had taken the lead early and held that lead, and then the pitching just blows it. And I know people, oh, they should have scored more than three runs. Well, listen, not every single game can the offense score eight freaking runs. Some games are going to be low scoring. Some games, especially in times that people love to mention, like the playoffs, not a lot of high scoring goes on. So pitching needs to be able to hold leads, even if it's a small one. That's a part of the game too, guys, holding the lead. This pitching, for the better part of the last month, not only has it been, for the vast majority, just bad in general, but they can't hold leads or ties. They can't. And again, just now, a big two-run game-time double by Judge just before. You heard me reacting to it live right here on the show. And then what does Abreu do? Goes right out there, gives it right back to Paul DeFreaking Young. I mean, come on, man. You gotta be better than that. Now Loisaga's in the game. That's my freaking boy. He's been better of late. I spoke about last week how, um, how Chapman's even been a bit better lately, despite how much I can't stand him, but he's been better. That's just the facts, and so is Loisaga. So hopefully Loisaga can get us out of this inning. There's only one out. Yadier Molina's is at the plate. Just drill him with sinkers low and in. He's going to hit it on the ground. It's an easy out. Preferably on the left side of the field so DeYoung can't move up to third. That'd be ideal. Swing and a miss. All right, he's already showing good stuff. But this is why I keep on saying, even when discussing the deadline, the Yankees needed, and quite frankly, still do need pitching. Even though I'll give it to them, they did address it. They did. And they would continue getting pitching on top of what they did with Efros on Monday, because later in the day, only a couple hours later, I think, 
It's tough to really keep track of exactly when these things happen because I was at work on Monday. So, But the Yankees also did get the man that I mentioned just before, Frankie Montas. And not only did they get him, they got another arm for the bullpen in Lou Trevino, who has had some solid seasons in the last few years, struggling a bit in this year. The, the couple outings that he's been out there for the Yankees, he's looked very good. But a solid arm to add to that pen. You know, relievers have their years where they're good and they're bad. It fluctuates. It, it happens with a lot of relievers. But maybe Trevino just needed a change of scenery. And he's looked good so far. So, I'm fine with that. I loved the, the Yankees getting Montas. The reason that they had to get him was because, of course, Luis Castillo couldn't get traded for by the Yankees, even though he was definitely the number one target and reports constantly said as much. But they couldn't get him because of the cost. The Mariners ended up getting him, and they had to see him again on Wednesday in the final game of that series, which was not a pleasant game. Not thanks to Castillo, mostly thanks to Garrett Cole, just completely choking in the first inning. (laughs) But nonetheless, they could not get Luis Castillo, and I kind of understand why. Because I know a lot of people hate prospect-hugging. I don't consider the statement that I'm about to say to be prospect-hugging. But they got a number 1, 3, 5, and 14, I believe, from Seattle, did the Reds, for Luis Castillo. And that's a lot. Let me try to translate that for you. That's like the Yankees giving up Volpe, Dominguez, and or Peraza even, possibly. And a number 5 and a 14. So, three top fives. And a number 14 would have costed Castillo. That's a lot. The only time that, again, like I said this last week too, I believe, and Loisaga just gave him another freaking hit. Let's see if Hicks actually tries to throw this in. He actually does. And he's out! He's out! Why didn't you do that before with Yadier Molina? That's a good freaking throw home for Hicks, but I don't understand why he didn't do that earlier. Very nice throw home. Uh, that's actually very close. Uh, I don't know. Are they going to review that? Let's see. Oh, he might be safe. He might be safe. They're probably going to challenge it. I have to imagine they're going to challenge. Yeah. Hicks is still out there, so they're probably challenging. Yep. Oh, boy. <laughs> this is going to be overturned, isn't it? <laughs> oh, my God. There, luck. Let's see. I won't get negative right away. Let's see what happens. It's a really close play, though, at the plate. It was really close. I just don't know if Trevino got the tag down in time if DeYoung just slipped his foot in there. God. He might be safe. His his left foot looked like it could have been on the plate. I don't know. They might overturn this. I'm keeping the volume off. I'll be able to tell the call just by looking, but... God. These last few games, I tell you, really draining to watch. (laughs) Yeah, he's safe. I just saw that replay again just now. I'm convinced he got in there. His left foot looked like it touched the plate before Trevino got the tag down. Yeah, I'm just waiting for him to call him safe at this point, to be honest. That looked safe. Yeah, he's safe. Son of a... 
Oh, God. It's really frustrating, man. It was a good throw home by Hicks. I'll give him that. It was a good throw. Damn it. Damn it, man. Back to being two runs down, giving it right back up. That run is, of course, charged to Abreu. So two runs for Albert Abreu. I don't know what I don't know what Loizaga was doing leaving that pitch there. It was a horrible pitch. Two strike count, I believe it was too. It was horrible. The fastball right down the heart of the plate. Yeah, it was an 0-2 count. It was a changeup actually. 90, 91, 92 miles an hour, right down the heart of the plate. And Edmund just drilled it up the middle. So, anyways, back to what I was talking about before. It's really hard for me to stay on course with reacting to this game right now. But, they they would have had to give up a number 1, number 3, number 5, and 14. Something around that for Luis Castillo. And the only one, like I said last week, that I would even consider, even letting the thought of Volpe, letting him go, creeping into my head, is for a Juan Soto. And Juan Soto was a pipe dream to me before, was a pipe dream to me after they got Benintendi, even more so, because they had made their outfield move, and I was right. They were in on him, I'm not arguing that, but I, I just, I knew Juan Soto wouldn't come here. He ended up going to the Padres. But, yeah, so they, they, they would have had to give up a lot for Castillo, so I kind of understand, even though it sucks to not get him, obviously, the thing that, the immediate emotion that comes to mind when you don't get Luis Castillo, and it was the case for me and everybody else before it was revealed who the Mariners had to give up, was frustration, because we all wanted him. But then the the trade market definitely pivoted, as far as the pitching market's concerned, obviously. Just pivoted right to Montes. That's what happened right away. That much is obvious. And the Yankees ended up getting him. And what they had to give up for Montes was not nearly what they would have had to give up with, um, with Luis Castillo. The Yankees did have to part ways with Waldachuk, Bowman, Medina, and Sears. Now, J.P. Sears is a, tough, is a tough one to let go because, of course, in his multi-inning appearances slash starts, whenever he's put in for the Yankees this year, he's shown a lot of promise. Really good stuff. And Waldachuk was there number five. So, a little bit tough to give up, but you have to you have to give stuff to get stuff, guys. You have to. So, I personally like the trade. Because at the end of the day, once this was all done, it was official that the Yankees had acquired Andrew Benintendi, Scott Efros, Frankie Montas, and Louis, and Lou Trevino at the deadline. And they only traded one top five prospect. One. And that was Waltichuk. So I'll take it. I will take it. After that, it really felt like the Yankees were going to be done, except for possibly even subtracting somebody, and I think we all knew who that somebody was going to be, because when Tuesday did come around, that's exactly what happened. The trade that we were awaiting, and I think even he himself was awaiting for a while, considering he was already on his way packing, (laughs) was Joey Gallo being traded to the Dodgers. And the Yankees were able to get Clayton Beater back from the Dodgers, and he was a number 15 prospect. They got a top 15 for Joey freaking Gallo. (laughs) That is what I call, my friends, a good trade. (laughs) So, listen, everything that has been said or had to have been said about Gallo has already been said by me and everybody else. A lot of people were talking about his last statements before he got traded away, how he never left his apartment and, and everything. Just 
how hard it was to be here and how hard it is going to be for him to deal with the fact that he just did not succeed here. Just as far as I'm concerned, I wish the guy luck with the Dodgers and wherever else he is to go after that, maybe. And I also, uh, listen, it's as simple as this. It just didn't work out here. It didn't. It was a good trade at the time. I think most of us were excited for him. A lot of people didn't like the striking out right away. But listen, I think people would have been able to put the strikeouts aside if he even had a fraction of his Texas self here hitting 40-plus home runs and taking advantage of the right field short porch like so many of us thought he would. And none of that happened. For most of the season, he even stopped doing his attributes that he was known for. Walking, hitting home runs at all much. Especially the walking. He stopped walking. It just didn't work out here. It didn't. It was a horribly failed experiment over the course of the year that he was here, a year's worth of playing time. It was easily one of the worst displays of Yankees baseball out of a single player that I've probably ever seen and most people have probably ever seen. Nobody's denying that, and there's just no getting around that. There is none. No matter how much you like Gallo or might have supported him, hell, I supported him. He's on my team. I support my players even if I get on them a lot. It's a part of being a passionate fan. But no matter how much you love the guy or no matter how much you want to spin it, well, you can't. It didn't work here. So whatever happens with the Dodgers, best of luck to him. I'm not going to sit here and wish ill will on him, whatever. He seemed like a decent guy. I feel bad when decent people fail at what they do. I know everybody says, oh, don't worry, he's making his money, so there's no need to feel bad for him. But it was it was rough. It didn't work out here. I can't imagine that's easy to deal with, especially in this town, so it's whatever. I have a very whatever attitude about it. I was over Gallo months ago, so I'm not going to pretend that I'm not glad that he's gone, because I am. You all know that, at least all of you who listen to me. So that's why I have a very deadpan attitude towards it. I'm not ranting about it anymore because everything, truly, everything that has had to have been said about Gallo has been said, both by me and everybody else. What else is there to add? It didn't work here. It was disgraceful. It was hard to watch. That's it. (laughs) That's really all there is to say. So if anybody was looking for a huge statement about Gallo being traded from me, that's the statement. Because what else is there to say that hasn't already been said? Really. It was horrible. It didn't work. That's it. Hopefully it works when he goes elsewhere. Whether it be the Dodgers right now or if he's to go anywhere else after. So, at this point of the deadline, I thought it was really good. You finally dumped Gallo off. You got four guys addressing areas of need that you definitely needed to improve in. And at the end of the day, the highest prospect you gave up was a number five. And everybody else other than that, you could have afforded to give up. So, personally, I was like, all right, this is a really good deadline as of now. At this point in time, really good stuff. And then one more thing happened just before the deadline that had and still has some people really scratching their heads. And that was the fact that the last move the Yankees made, they weren't done after they got Montas and Trevino. They traded Jordan Montgomery who is one of the Yankees' most consistent starters. And I know he's he had, the last couple of starts he had with the Yankees were rough ones. I'm aware of that. But Jordan Montgomery, it's just a fact of the matter. And if you even want to include his start last night, in which he very predictably shut the Yankees down, because, I mean, what else would happen? If you want to include last night's start for the Cardinals, Jordan Montgomery, after his five shutout innings yesterday, 
That was his 18th out of 22 starts this year that he is allowed three or less runs. Okay? So you are talking about, even though there are a couple of starts in there that weren't so great, and, he, you know, he had his rough starts, no doubt about it, especially the last couple of them. But you're talking about a guy who is a model of consistency for the most part in an area where the Yankees could not really afford to subtract much in pitching in general, but especially starting pitching. And they trade him away for Harrison Bader, who is on the Cardinals. So it's pretty funny that they made this trade with the Cardinals and they're in St. Louis right now this weekend and having just a lovely weekend, of course, in the most sarcastic of tones I use that in. But, man, Luizga right now, speaking of this game, my God, Luizga loaded the bases now. He is just... He's just not throwing strikes. What'd I say? What did I say? Yankees' favorite pastime lately. Walking, guys! They, they just can't not walk people, this team. It's unbelievable. They walk everybody. They walk the freaking ballpark. And now Goldschmidt's up with the bases loaded in two outs. So Loisaga did nothing. This is what I mean when I, when I mean the pitching. And yes, Loisaga has been good lately. I get that, guys. But is there much of anybody you could turn to right now? Trevino's coming in. He's actually been good. So that, that should be fine, hopefully. Because Goldschmidt's up at the plate. So this could very well still be a disaster. But I, I, who do you turn to? Who? You're just freaking walking everybody. It's ridiculous. So they got Harrison Bader from the Cardinals. <laughs> anyway, they got Harrison Bader from the Cardinals. Bader's been injured since June. He has plantar fasciitis, and he's not going to be back until September. So you trade Montgomery away, who was a stature of consistency for the vast majority of his outings in an area that you need as much help as you can get in, pitching in general, but especially starting pitching. For a guy who's not going to be around for at least another month, just injured right now on the injured list. So you're, you're basically, in, at least until September, you just trade Montgomery away for nothing. Now, if you want to argue with me that you know, Bader has displayed some really good defensive skills, and he can even come through with the bat a good amount. That's been true in the past. It has been. His numbers are pretty below average in all in most or all facets this year so far, but he's also spent a chunk of the season hurt. So there's that. But if you want to argue that this is for the postseason, for when he does come back, get him in a bunch of games and have him be a big piece in the outfield for most of or all of September and for the playoffs as well, and this also potentially means that this could be the potential phasing out of Aaron Hicks for the future, then I could very much get behind that. And I've seen a lot of people make that argument, and that's that's the part of the trade that could somewhat make sense to me. The part that doesn't, though, is virtually, at least for now, while he's hurt, giving away Montgomery, a pitcher who has been very consistent for basically nothing, at least as of now. I know that they view Montas as replacing him, but Montas was just to add to the front end of the rotation, being a high-end starter, to back up Garrett Cole, who has had a few too many clunkers himself lately. So, right now, like I said before, when it comes to my trade disclaimer that things could work out better down the line, and that this is just a judgment as of right now, but I even, I even gave the potential scenario that it could be good down the line. If he could help out the team in October. If he could end up replacing Aaron Hicks. That could work out very well. And in which case, great. But as of right now, and at the moment that the trade was made, it just doesn't make much sense. It doesn't. 
It doesn't make much sense. So that trade brought down my satisfaction for the Yankees trade deadline moves a little bit. It didn't completely destroy it. And I'll address it a little bit more again in social media later in the social media segment. But that's the trade deadline. So they got Benintendi, Trevino, Montas, Efros, and then later they got Harrison Bader just before the end of the trade deadline. By the way, those Montgomery stats, about 18 of the last 22 after yesterday's start, having given up three runs or fewer, that came from the Twitter account Yankee Slut. I'm sorry for the language, but that is just the Twitter handle for that account, so I don't know what you want me to tell you. (laughs) But you should follow the account because they give out pretty good stats, and that was one that I definitely wanted to give out for today amidst talking about Montgomery being traded. And then... Again, because why not? Him shutting down the Yankees last night as a Cardinal, just after he was traded there. Because it is a relevant argument for the trade that just went down. You need help with pitching, starting pitching as well. And you give away one of your more consistent starters. It's a question that can be asked and should be asked. Why was it done? A little bit weird. Little bit weird. And it could work out well down the line if Bader ends up being a big piece. Not saying it definitely won't be. But it's pretty freaking weird, guys. So, Trevino has Paul Goldschmidt on a 3 2 count. This is a game deciding moment right here. Because even if he walks and they go back up three runs, that's a big freaking deal. And Trevino just threw a beautiful 3 1 slider for a strike, by the way. It was a beautiful pitch. I just stepped off. So that was the Yankees trade deadline, guys. And more or less my takes on them. I'll reiterate them just a little bit later on for the social media segment and get your guys' thoughts on it. But a foul ball. All right. But that's basically what happened with the week of mayhem with the trade deadline. Now, as far as what happened with other organizations, just a few other big moves to run by you for the trade deadline that you probably already heard of, but the Brewers which is really weird amidst a season full of success, got rid of Hader. They traded Hader to San Diego, which is wild. That's just crazy to me. And Trevino walked Goldschmidt, so it's 9-6 to six now. <laughs> I, 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 I just don't know anymore. I don't know. I said before that I understand pitching around guys like Goldschmidt or Arenado, but the bases are loaded, dude. Bases are loaded. This team loves walking people. And it's pretty funny to have, you know, what I've been saying is one of the Yankees' biggest problems actually happening now to support my argument. They just can't stop walking people. They cannot stop. Walk, 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 walk. Walking the freaking ballpark. And now with the bases still loaded and two outs, Nolan Arenado's at the plate. This should be awesome. Thankfully, just got him to swing and miss at the first pitch. But my God in heaven... So anyway, yeah, the Brewers got rid of Hader, which is big. Trey Mancini went to the Astros, and he's gotten off to a hell of a start with them, so that's not good. I love Trey personally. He's a solid player, but he went to the Astros. Anytime they improve is not something that I like. Soto, like I said before, went to the Padres along with Josh Bell. Went to the Padres. And what was funny about that was that Eric Hosmer, he was involved in the package on the Padres side of things, and he rejected the trade since he has his no trade clause. <laughs> it didn't block the trade, but it was still really funny just to have, you know, trade going down, big news going, and like, yeah, Eric Hosmer's blocking the trade. <laughs> so they still have to decide what to do with him since he did block the trade, so they shipped him off to Boston. <laughs> 
So that's where Hosmer is now. And then Boston also ended up getting Tommy Pham. Just really random moves. Uh, David Robertson went back to the Phillies. Darren Ruff to the Mets in exchange for J.D. Davis and prospects. Luke Voigt ended up being that other piece in that Padres and Nationals trade that ended up going to, to the Nationals. So that completed the trade. So Voigt is on the Nationals now. So just a few other big moves outside of just the Yankees. That went down with the trade deadline. So Soto's a freaking Padre now, <laughs> along with Josh Bell. Pretty pretty wild deadline, like I said, especially at the very end, last day or two. Like I said, mayhem. <laughs> and then you consider what's happened in the last month or so with the Yankees. Just mayhem, not completely in the good way. Also, a couple of roster moves for the Yankees as far as other news. Severino has moved to the 60-day IL. They're obviously not rushing him back with his lat strain problems. And he won't be eligible now to return until mid-September. So that begs the question now, what are they going to do with him when he does return? Are they going to give him three or four starts and have him ready to start games for the playoffs? Or are they just going to have to use him as a bullpen piece, possibly? Like they did at the end of last year. I don't really know. Begs to question. But it sounds like that they're expecting him to be a starter again, which I'm pretty shaky on relying on a guy who just by that time will have missed a couple of months and you're only giving him a handful of starts before the playoffs and then you're relying on him to start a playoff game? I don't know. That's a little iffy to me. I love Seve. And when he's on, it's electric. But naturally and validly, that's it's a little uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't know about that. They also moved Miguel Castro to the 60-day IL as well, which freed up roster spots. This was tough to see. They optioned Clark Schmidt to AAA, and he's still down there. And they signed Carlos Espinal, a right-handed pitcher, a minor league right-handed pitcher, to a major league contract and selected him to the roster, and then sent him down the next day. Just, you know, roster crap. You know the deal. And they reinstated Ben Rortvet finally. He's playing, but he's down in AAA. And then today... They optioned Ron Marinaccio to bring Montas onto the roster officially. Now, that's tough. And I know it's a whole deal with options. Who has options? Who doesn't? But I'd rather just freaking DFA Albert Abreu again rather than send Ron Marinaccio down, who's been a top arm in the bullpen, especially after losing a vital arm like Michael King. And I know a lot of people will be quick to mention that, oh, his last few outings he's been good, Albert Abreu. But, you know, you know, look at today and look at the vast majority of outings prior to that and even prior to when the Yankees had released him before. So I'd rather just do that again rather than option Ron Marinaccio. I know Montes had to have the official roster spot. He was being taken off the bereavement list and Marinaccio, amongst other arms, is one of the only ones, if not the only one with options left. I get how that works. I don't have to have it explained to me like a five-year-old, but... It just really sucks to see somebody like Marinaccio optioned. The guy's been terrific. And he could be back, sure. I'm not saying he won't be. But it, it sucks. It sucks. Especially in a time where the pitching needs a lot of help. Especially on a day like today. Nine freaking runs again. So that's that as far as Yankees news, guys. Just a lot between reacting to today's game and discussing Yankees news. We're already over an hour in here, and we still have two other segments to get to. So why don't I recap this past week really quick? It really shouldn't be long because this past week has just sucked. I'll breeze right through it. 
The only game that was good to watch was the first game against the Mariners. The rest of these games have just been painful to experience. So I'll just bolt right through these. Let's hop in that Yapping Yankees time machine and recap this past week. Let's go. By the way, before we get started, in the top of the... What freaking inning is it right now? They're in the middle of showing a replay. Top of the sixth, Aaron Hicks just got a hit to load the bases with one out. Andrew Benintendi got screwed on another bad strike three call by Ed Hickox. This guy needs to be on the unemployment line about two hours ago. This guy is a disgrace behind the plate. Multiple ejections today, and, and, and he's still just calling a crap game. So the bases are loaded with one out now, Trevino up, Trevino. And now we got more than one Trevino-type name on the team, so it's <laughs> the tongue twisters. Trevino is out in the bullpen, and Trevino's the catcher. He just swung in a bad first pitch. This game is like having your teeth pulled. This is torture. <laughs> okay. I just tweeted out even that I haven't even been tweeting much amidst all this happening in the game because I'm too busy reacting to it here on the show. So I just put out a tweet saying that if you want to know why I haven't been tweeting much throughout all this, you might want to listen to Yapping Yankees later because I'm reacting to all of it right here on the show. Trevino just got a hit. Now it's 9-7. to seven. What is this freaking baseball game, people? What is this game? This is unbelievable. I can't even do the episode because I'm too busy reacting to this chaos that is this Sunday afternoon game in St. Louis. What is this? <laughs> What is going on? Oh my god, now Marwin's up. And DJ and Judge afterwards. This is ridiculous. Alright, so anyways, as far as recapping the last week, I'll try to do this as quick as I can. There's not really too much to talk about. They did get right back to action after the travesty of a game against the Orioles, not the Orioles, the Royals last Sunday. They got right back to action against the Mariners. Unfortunately, they got back on track a little bit as far as this game individually, at least, because since this game, they've done nothing but lose so far. But this game was a nice one, nice, comfortable win. The pitching matchup in this one was Domingo Herman against Gonzalez, Marco Gonzalez. So Marco Gonzalez did not really have himself a nice start whatsoever. Just leaving meatballs right down the plate, and the Yankee hitters did what they're supposed to do, put it in the stands a lot of the time. And it was a really comfortable win for them. Rare comfortable win for the Yankees. I mean, because a lot of the Yankees' wins and losses, too, are close in score. So it's nice when they get wins like this. Nice, commanding, confident, inducing victories. Right away in the bottom of the first, Anthony Rizzo, 26th home run of the year, a three-run shot, made it 3 nothing. And then Herman gave up a run in the top of the second to Kyle Lewis, a solo shot, 3-1. to one. Herman just really has a tough time with the home runs, man. Just gives him up too much. Bottom of the second, Aaron Judge with his 43rd home run of the year, a two-run shot, made it 5-1. to one. He was all over Gonzalez, jumping on the first pitch nearly every time, at least the first two at-bats. Made it 5-1. to one. Then Herman gave up one more run in the fourth inning on an RBI single by Adam Frazier. And the Yankees just scored a couple more times after that, not looking back. Trevino with a solo shot in the fourth, and another solo shot in the eighth. First multi-home run game, home runs number eight and nine on the year. Yankees win 7-2. Next two days, sucked. <laughs> just being real honest. Um, was not fun to watch. Pitching matchup on the second day was 
Tyone against Gilbert. And uh, not a fun game to watch. Logan Gilbert and Tyone, really. Neither of them really had themselves a nice start at all. Logan Gilbert even went five and a third, allowing six runs. And Tyone went four and two thirds, allowing six runs, but five earned. Striking out six, walking four. This is what I'm talking about. Just walks, 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 walks. It's all they do. It's all they do, the Yankees. It's crazy. So, right away, the Mariners got started on a two-run shot by Suarez in the top of the first, and then a solo shot by, by Rayleigh in the top of the second to make it 3 to nothing. And then the top of the third, sack fly by Santana. Tyone of the Yankees down 4 to nothing, just like that. And Tyone, with the exception of one or two starts of late, for a while now, as we know, has just been off. And this was another start of that. And the Yankees tried to creep back in a little bit, but... It wouldn't lead to anything ultimately as far as a win is concerned. Bottom of the fourth, Donaldson with a rare moment of coming through again. I've been getting on Donaldson hard again lately. The last week he's done a couple things, but you'll have to excuse me if my patience with him is a bit low. Considering the better part of the last three months or so, he has been absolutely dreadful to watch. And just watching someone regress at the rate that he has making the money that he is, You'll have to excuse me if my patience is a little low, and I don't give too much credit for maybe less than a week of good things happening. You'll have to excuse me. <laughs> I mean, give me a break over here. I support my players, but I get on them when I have to. You know? That, that's just the name of the game. So Donaldson had an RBI double, and then Trevino with another home run, a two-run shot, his 10th of the year. So it's 4-3 to three at this point. It's close. But then, giving it right back, Carlos Santana... Two-run double, made it 6-3, to three, and Benintendi was able to get Santana out at third on the throw, so nice job by Benintendi there, good defender as always. Bottom of the sixth, they crept back in again and actually tied it because Anthony Rizzo in his 27th home run of the year, a solo shot, and then Donaldson with a rare two-run shot, feels like his first home run in an eternity, tied the game at six, but then after that, it could not be held down again. Like I said, pitchers just not being able to hold leads and or ties. Because between Lucas Litke and Albert Abreu, again, Yankees allowed it to be 8-6. to six. Solo shot by Haggerty. RBI single by Adam Frazier. 8-6 to six Mariners, that's how they'd win. Wednesday, Luis Castillo, the brand new Mariner from the Reds, making another start at the stadium against the Yankees. The Yankees only saw him about a month ago, so... Very recent, having to see him again. And maybe they would have had a decent shot off him, considering Castillo wasn't completely sharp, not as sharp as he was the prior start in Yankee Stadium. They couldn't touch him the last time. This time, at least, he did go six and two-thirds, but did give up three runs. Did still strike out eight guys, but even walked three guys. And so he wasn't completely sharp, still had a fine start. It was a quality start. But wasn't as sharp as the first time they saw him. But the problem with this game was Garrett Cole put the Yankees in an unbelievable hole. Nice rhyme there. <laughs> Before they even had a chance to have a single plate appearance. And it's frustrating because Garrett Cole, I mean, listen, he's had his good stretches this year. But he has also had, especially recently, too many starts where he just completely collapses. And it all usually happens in one inning. It's really bizarre. All it takes is one inning and he completely falls apart. This time, unfortunately, it was in the first inning right away. 
before the Yankees even had a chance to bat. So the game was over before he'd even had an opportunity to start. And it's frustrating to watch, man. And listen, I, I I like Garrett Cole as much as the next guy, but I mean, it's been frustrating to watch him lately. I mean, he's had a little bit of too many... He's had quite a few bit too many clunkers like this. I'm willing to take one here and there. He's a human being. Every human being is going to have not the best of starts every now and again. But it's been happening a bit too much of late. It even happened against the Royals the week prior in that one inning. Granted, it was helped along by a bad defensive play by Kiner Falefa. But, I mean, it's happened a bit too much. He just allows one inning in these games that he has meltdowns in most of the time to just get way out of hand. And he's got to find a way to stop the bleeding. You can't be, especially as the ace, you can't be taking your team out of the game like that before they even have a chance to get to the plate. You can't be doing that. So he's got to figure out how to limit the damage a little bit and stop these one-inning collapses. It's getting a little bit old. (laughs) So, like I said, right away, top of the first, and this was all before he got even a single out, mind you. An out! Suarez again, three-run shot, 3 nothing. Carlos Santana, solo shot, 4 nothing. Jared Kelnick, who can't hit, <laughs> two-run shot to make it 6 nothing. before getting an out. So the Yankees were out of the game already. It was over. And they scored three runs, but what are you going to do? Down 6 nothing in the first inning against Luis Castillo. Even though they got three runs off the guy, what do you expect to happen? Facing Luis Castillo, down 6 nothing in the first inning. And kind of Falefa got an RBI single, whatever. Kyle Higashioka got a two-run homer, nice. But Jesse Winker even added on another run at the top of the seventh, make it 7-1 at the time. Higgy hit his two-run homer, then made it 7-3, and that was the final. The game was over before it even started. So it really sucked. Really, really sucked. And on Thursday, they had the day off. And Friday, they went to St. Louis, of course. I already mainly touched on this game. Nestor Cortez started the game, and it really is unfortunate what had to happen with them blowing the game late because not only did the game being blown, especially who was blown against, Paul the freaking Young of all people, I mean, it also took a win away from Nestor. Five and a third, two runs, four strikeouts. He did walk four guys. He only gave up one hit. So, not you know, not the best of starts ever, but it was an okay start. And he deserved a win for it, if only the bullpen could hold a lead. And the Yankees did get started right away. Josh Donaldson hit an RBI double. And then Yadier Molina did tie the game shortly after that in the bottom of the second on an RBI single. And Josh Donaldson put them ahead again, so I'll give Donaldson this. He had a good Friday night. He did. So it was 2-1. to one. And then Glaber in the top of the fifth on an RBI single of his own made it 3-1. to one. And for the most part, what a brutal weekend Glaber Torres has had. In a lot of at-bats, just looking like he's just playing out not seeing the baseball. The kind of pitches he's been swinging at, he's had a pretty decent day today. But, I mean, my God. Especially yesterday on Saturday. He looked like he couldn't see the ball at all. Just not seeing the baseball. Frustrating. Really. But he did put them up 3-1 to one at this point. And in the bottom of the sixth, this is when he was taken out of the game, Nestor. Tyler O'Neill hit an RBI single to make it 3-2. to two. And the Yankees were able to keep at that a couple innings. But then they brought in Clay Holmes again, similar to what they did with the Mets. They brought him in for the better part of the lineup. And it was working at some point. 
got the big guys out like the Yankees had wanted. So you thought, oh, maybe it's going to work out. Up at the plate was Paul DeYoung, who can't hit if his life depended on it. And of all people to blow the game against and give up a go-ahead two-run double-two, he gives it up. Beyond any and all comprehension, Clay Holmes being beaten by a hitter like that, you just can't understand it. You cannot understand it. I couldn't. I don't know if you had any better luck than me. I couldn't understand it. So that gave him a 4-3 to lead. Yankees couldn't come back in the top of the ninth because they were facing Helsley, and he's overwhelming. So, just didn't happen. Didn't happen for him. And now we just watch the game. The Yankees actually added on two more runs, and DJ just now hit a hard ground ball down to first, fielded, and they couldn't score again. So it's 9-8 to eight Cardinals now. The Yankees have 14 hits, almost double the Cardinals, and they're losing 9-8. to eight. It's just ridiculous. And you look at innings where they blew the bases loaded earlier in the game. You, you look at innings where Ed Hickox behind the plate, who again should be on the unemployment line about two hours ago, screwed Marvin Gonzalez in a big situation like that, made a couple of more awful calls after that. Mind you, after being ripped apart by Aaron Boone, being yelled at all game by both sides, so he's been having horrible calls against both sides, and he's still out there calling a horrible freaking game. My frustration is just boiling over in case you can't tell. (laughs) So that was the deal on Friday. Just a real annoying loss. The bullpen just again not doing its job. As a second time in a row, Clay Holmes gave up two, just gave up crucial runs that ended up being game deciding. Just not good. And yesterday is not really much to go on here because the matchup was Domingo Herman against Jordan Montgomery. And Montgomery, like we all expected and predicted, because again, why not, completely shut down the Yankees. Only struck out one guy, but five innings, not allowing a single run, only gave up two hits, escaped a big first inning jam that if the Yankees were able to get to him, maybe they could add a nice game, but they didn't. Five innings, two hits, no runs, one walk and one strikeout for Montgomery. He would obviously get the win on the day. And Domingo Herman only allowed one run in the bottom of the first on an RBI single to Nolan Arenado. And that was the final freaking score, guys. One to nothing. Eight innings. Well, nine if you include the first, of course. But I mean, eight innings after that, Yankees couldn't even put a run up on the board. Not one. Dead offense. So this was one of those days where the pitching happened to work on a single day, thank God, finally. But then the offense goes to sleep. It's unfortunate, but still can't argue against me when I say the vast majority of the issue the last month and a half or month or so has been the pitching because it has been. You're inevitably going to have your games like yesterday where, yeah, the offense takes a day off (laughs) mentally. But the problem has been the problem, guys. It's just the fact of the matter. So we're basically caught up to today, and now we have this chaotic freaking 9-8 to game today. So that was the recap. Just, you know, what was that, like less than 15 minutes? So I did go through that a bit quicker. Why don't we go on to the social media segment? Let's not waste any time. As you can imagine, since the deadline is now over, the trade deadline was on Tuesday, now behind us. So you can imagine what the social media question probably was. I had a question this week, not a Q&A or a poll. The question quite simply was, now that it's over, we're five days beyond the deadline at this point, what would you rate the Yankees' 2022 trade deadline on a scale of 1 to 10? Now, I did say before that as of now, at least, it could end up working out well later. Like I said, I understand that. But as of this moment... After the Montgomery and Bader trade, 
The Montgomery and Bader trade had my grade brought down just a little bit. But the grade before that was really good. Again, all four of those players addressing areas of need on the team. And the most you had to give up was a number five. And you gave up Wes Neske for Efros too, but then below that, beyond Beck Way, who was a pretty promising prospect. Not beyond single A ball yet, though. You didn't really have to give up much of anything. And you got to hold on to Oswald Peraza, everybody in the top four. That's the main priority. Most of that, or all of it nearly, would have been cleaned out if you had to get Castillo with, the, with what his final price ended up being in a trade. Which also begs the question, since Peraza is still in the organization, and yes, you don't have to explain this to me like I'm five either. I understand the risk that comes with calling up a rookie to the major leagues, especially amidst a run like this with the season that the Yankees are having. Not good of late, but overall, on an overall basis, throughout all the games they've played so far, still a historic season. Really nice season. They have a monster lead in the division. Still the best record in the American League as of today. Even if they end up losing this game again because the Astros already lost. So, I understand the risk. And there's definitely no guarantee of success with any prospects. We've said this many times already as well. But when you have somebody like IKF on the roster, playing shortstop, or you have options down there that are significantly better and do things that players on this current roster who are vastly underperforming can't do, it just begs to question why you don't call up certain guys like that. A lot of people are asking the question, why isn't Peraza on this team yet? And I find it, I find it difficult to disagree with those people. I think a change could be good right now. Especially on the run that they're on this last week. Are you freaking kidding me? Over the course of the last month plus, they've been on this negative sort of a skid. But... Especially this last week. This last week has sucked. Even if they end up going on to win this game, and this game has been torture. (laughs) Come on. So, it just begs the question. But, nonetheless, they did get to keep Peraza, all of the other top four prospects. That that was everybody's priority. See if Cashman can still pull off good moves and keep all of them, which he did. So, my grade before the Montgomery and Bader trade was really good. And then just brought it down a bit. So if I had to say, I'm probably anywhere between, as of this moment, and of course, depending on how these trades ultimately turn out once the season is said and done, this of course could be very different. That's how any trade works. But as of this moment, I'd probably say I'm anywhere from like an 8 to an 8.5. So I'd probably give like an 8.1 or an 8.2 to be really stupid and unnecessarily precise. (laughs) So that's my grade, I guess. Let's see what you guys have to say. I'll probably read about 10 of them because we're deep into this episode already. Let's start off with Rebecca at Peace Now for Life. And Rebecca says, I would say a solid eight. They addressed many needs. The bullpen and starting pitching is stronger. I'm worried about losing Montgomery and wish Bader was healthy now, but I think it was a good pickup. Gallo was addition by subtraction. That's definitely another point. Gallo being gone, that's a big thing. And the fact that they, that they got a number 15 prospect for him. Anyone remotely, like anywhere near the top 20, for someone who is producing as little as Joey Gallo is a win. (laughs) I hope that people realize that. (laughs) So, yeah, that was a big deal too, Rebecca, for sure. I'm not worried about Montes after uh, after one game. I think he's going to figure it out. It's just just a rough one in St. Louis today. What are you going to do? It's one freaking start. 
It's just overall frustrating because everybody's overall frustration about the pitching in general, including my own, is unfortunately being grouped in with him who just got here. So that's why people may be hard on him if I had to imagine that being the reason. But at the end of the day, it's it's you can't give up on the guy. It's one freaking start. It's still good to have him here. High-end starter, and he will have his good outings here and be important. So if he isn't, I'll be shocked. And you have F. Ross and Trevino to help out in the bullpen. Two good pieces, I think. Two big pickups, despite Trevino having the season he was having with the A's before being picked up. But I like how he's looked so far in his first handful of outings with the Yankees, and I know how good he can be. And he has looked that good so far. He did walk in the run before, but he came into a bases-loaded jam (laughs) against Paul Goldschmidt. (laughs) So, and he ended up getting Arenado out afterwards, so what does that tell you? It's fine. He did the best he could. So, yeah, I do agree that the bullpen is a bit stronger, even though, you know, them and the starting pitching is still doing what they're doing. But I I think in the long run, and factually, just statistically, they got better. They did. They got Benintendi for the outfield. And, yeah, Benintendi's gotten, he's had some time at the start here where he's had a rough go at it. I think he was one for his first 22 or something around that. He's had a couple of hits today. Looked better. He got screwed on a strike three call in his prior at-bat that I just saw before. So... He's looked a little better the last couple of days, and he will pick it up. Puts the bat on the ball. Gets on base. So, And there were people already giving up on him, too, which is foolish as well. Guy's been here a week or a week and a half. Give me a break. Got on the team last freaking Wednesday the trade was announced. Give the guy a break. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I, I think they improved as well. So I agree with you. I'm right around an 8 as well. That's more or less where I'm at. At Frank Oliveri says 7. Fair enough. At Rebirth Chaos 09 says 8. I like the moves we made. Could have added another bat, another pitcher, to be honest, but I like it. I mean, yeah, I mean, other than adding another pitcher, who else are you going to add? They added two bullpen arms. They added Montas. They weren't going to get Castillo. The price was too steep. Probably would have had to give Volpe and or Peraza or Dominguez. It's rough. Plus a number five. It just would have been rough. At the time, it would have been Waldachuk. They give him away and plus somebody else in the top 15. It's really tough. So I do like the moves they made as well. At Newt Zachary says seven. Benintendi is an upgrade. Although he hasn't showed it, he is. Picked up good pitching and outfield help. I mean, seven's fair. Yeah, listen, I hope Bader ends up being good when he comes back because then maybe the trade will end up being worth it with Montgomery. But right now, at this point in time, subtracting an area where we need as many as much help as we can get for a guy who's not going to be playing for at least another month or so, it's a head scratcher for now. It is. You want to argue what it could do later? Fine. Right now, it's a, it's a head-scratcher. Up next, and, and by the way, I also agree with Benintendi. For all the people giving up on him, it, he's an upgrade. He is. So I agree with that. At DJ LeMayhew, my friend April, who loves DJ LeMayhew, as do I, says, like a 7.5. I like the trades, but felt there could have been better ones or more of them. Not fair enough. Well, which ones would you rather? Or add on to it. Which one? Was, which ones would you like? Because they, they did make quite a bit of moves. The Benintendi move, the Montes and Trevino move, the Efros move, the Montgomery and Bader trade. They made multiple moves. I mean, obviously better ones, you know, if you're okay with giving up most of your top five. You know, obviously Castillo would have been the top pitching arm, of course. So if that's what you mean, then, then fine. I personally wouldn't have done it. Because while I understand you can't hug every single prospect and that no prospect's a guarantee, you're also cleaning out most of the best of your system for one guy. 
and you are in a win now mode if you're the Yankees, but that that's tough to do. That much, that's a steep price. The only one that I again that I would be willing to possibly think about giving up for that sort of a price is is Juan Soto. That's it. At Laker four seventy seven says I give him an eight point five. They didn't get the best players available in some areas, but they definitely upgraded the team with the players they did acquire without having to gut the entire farm system to do it. Yeah, that's just about as good an explanation as any. Yeah, you're definitely right. At MD Nelly says, I'm going nine. In the moment, the Monty move is a head scratcher, but Bader's defense come October might win us a game. Monty might not have been on the postseason roster. The rest of the moves were excellent. I think he could have been on the postseason roster, but if he was, maybe for long relief out in the pen or bottom end of the four-man potential rotation. That's for sure. That that would have been the highest he would have been. So I understand that. And like I said, if you want to argue what Bader could be later, that's, that's fine. Bader later, another rhyme. Jesus. But yeah, I guess I can understand that. That's I will listen to that sort of an argument. I will. So... Yeah, that, that understands why yours would be at 9, because I agree the rest of the moves prior to that trade as well, I, I tend to like. At Baseball Tzar says, I'm going 7. Relief pitching addressed, number 2 starter addressed, good all-around outfielder addressed. Minuses are depleted minor league pitching depth. Losing Monty the way he was used is not an issue. Poor guy was on a short leash before the game started, and it affected him. Well, he's, that still doesn't change how consistent he was. I mean, yeah, he didn't necessarily go deep into the game a lot of the time, but like I said, that stat that I gave away before, after yesterday's start, 18 of the last 22 starts, he's had three runs or fewer. That's pretty valuable, guys. Especially on a team that is vastly struggling with their pitching right now. So, that's what I have to say about that. But everything else you said, I agree with. At Alpoppy25 says five. That's pretty low. So sort of mid, I guess. I don't know. I like the moves before the Montgomery and Bader trade. And like I said, the Montgomery and Bader trade could end up working out in favor in the future. So at Zalman888 says eight. (laughs) So a lot of eights. Give it an eight. Okay. Listen, I said around an eight. So I, I agree with that. At Laura underscore Iceman says, nine. The only criticism I have is trading Montgomery in that trade. Other than that, the Yankees addressed what was necessary. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Next is at Musician DMD, and he says, eight. Overall, the team improved. They addressed their weaknesses, reinforced the pitching, didn't lose their top prospects. In 1996, the Yankees got Cecil Fielder. In 2000, the Yankees got David Justice. Those were pivotal moves. Overall, the 2022 trades don't feel pivotal. So while I think they addressed areas of need, I don't feel that these are season-changing moves. They're good moves, even jettisoning Jordan Montgomery. But I don't feel invincible, which is how you want to feel after the trade deadline. The X factor of these moves, most importantly Montas, is how will these players handle New York? That's always the question, no matter what. But yeah, that's of course how you want to feel after the deadline. But like you said, even if they're not amazing, huge moves of the past, like David Justice, for instance, you know, they're they're addressing areas of need. And I do agree with you there. And you gave an eight, which is more or less where I'm, where I'm lying. At Mountain Gal 456 says, six, I didn't like the Monty move. I like the Benny move, but he still has to prove himself in New York. Bader has good numbers, but haven't seen him play in New York yet either. Gallo needed to be moved. 
Well, Benintendi needs time, of course. He just got here a week and a half ago. Bader's numbers are at average or below average for the year, but he has spent a chunk of the year injured. But he could prove to be a, a big presence here. He's a gold glove winner in, in the outfield, in center field. So we'll see what happens with him when he does get back. But it's going to be at least another month, give or take. And of course, Gallo, yes, did need to be moved. No doubt about that. <laughs> Next, we have at Sober Ghost saying, should have gotten Castillo. Volpe hasn't proven he can play with the big boys. Moving Monty was not ideal either. I give it a five. Well, just remember, it wouldn't only be Volpe, dude. You'd have to give Volpe, you'd have to give away Peraza and or Dominguez. You would have to give away another top five, whether it be before or after you gave Waldachuk away. So if he was still here, you'd give him away. And then another top 15. Are you good with gutting the system like that for Castillo? And Castillo's great. No argument. Really good pitcher. But Montes is really good too. And they didn't have to give away a fraction as much as they would have had to with Castillo. So, if you're okay with all that, then eh, whatever. <laughs> At Paulie Bowes says, six. All right, a couple of numbers below me. Let's just do a couple more here. At Sean Moen says, six. I like the relief pitcher ads. Frankie Montes' shoulder's a bit of a concern, and Bader's in a walking boot. Yeah, the relief pitchers are really good. I agree with that. Yeah, Montes has had his injury problems, but you know he's back now. Hopefully he figures it out after today. And yeah, Bader being injured right now, not a big fan of that either, as you know. So there's some agreeable points there. At Laura L61 says seven. All right. At Michael 4926377 says eight. I thought it was good overall. Just stuck on the Montgomery trade. Not just the fact that he was traded, but what seems like an uneven trade. Solid lefty with a 370 RA. For Bader, a light-hitting elite center fielder and gold glover who's not playing right now. He relies on defense and speed, but he's injured in a boot right now. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. He is hurt right now. I mean, we'll see how he is when he gets back. You know, plantar fasciitis is nothing to play with. But yeah, Montgomery was a solid four. And even if he didn't have the best of starts and he didn't necessarily go really deep into games a lot of the time... Still 18 of 22 starts, allowing three runs or fewer. It's not bad at all. That's consistency. And it's tough to give that away for a guy who's hurt for another month at least. It just is. All right, let's just do a couple more. I'll finish with my usual final two. First up, my girlfriend at Vic Salimo, and she says, A solid eight. Trading Gallo was an unfortunate event, but it had to happen. That alone added benefit to our team, addition by subtraction. The other additions were good, but I think there were some flaws such as trading Monty for Bader, someone who's hurt right now. I would have kept him for starting pitching consistency. Yeah, that's fair. Even if you weren't a big Montgomery guy, you know, that stat that I gave before about 18 of the last 22 starts, three runs or fewer, that is undeniable. That's consistency. So it's tough to give that away in an area where you you kind of need help in. And you could afford to still have something stable there. And Montgomery was stable. He had his clunkers like anybody else. The last two starts weren't good at all. But prior to that, for the most part, he was, he was solid. Very consistent. So I agree with everything there, Vic. Of course, the Gallo trade had to happen. And even Gallo was getting packed already. Everybody knew it was coming. It had to happen. And of course, you know... Like I said, I like the relief pitcher additions as well. I like the Montes edition. I like the Benintendi edition. And the fact that they didn't have to give up all that much. Just one top five prospect, number five. 
with all those names. So I'll take that. Alrighty, last but certainly not least, as always, is my mom, Julia Gina Scudero. And my mom says, At the time of retaining these new players, I felt confident. Trying to be patient, but Montes, of course, did not have a good game today. Benintendi's doing okay of late, but not good enough since he's gotten here. Our pitching overall is just the worst right now. What the hell is happening to this pitching? That's the same question we're all asking. (laughs) Seems like the loss of Michael King just gets worse and worse. Anyway, to return to the question, I believe they made some decent moves for the trade deadline. So as of this moment, I'll give it maybe a 7. As far as Aaron Hicks, please bench him. (laughs) Yeah, the one redeeming thing that people are mentioning about the Bader trade is hopefully that when he comes back, he could just be a Hicks replacement more often than not. And yeah, I'd be on board for that too, Mom. I definitely hear you there. (laughs) As far as Montes, yeah, of course he didn't have a good outing today, but it's just one start. Yeah, be patient with him. Benintendi, yeah, I know. He was one for 22 or something like that, like I said before, but having a good day today. He just struck out in the game just now. It's the top of the eighth inning, so it looks like the Yankees are going to lose unless they complete a comeback this inning or next inning in the ninth. Otherwise, they will get swept today. Pitching just a travesty again, umpiring behind the plate, an even bigger travesty in crucial moments for both sides. And what else did you say here? Yeah, but uh, overall, yeah, listen, the loss of Michael King... That cannot be overstated. We said at the time that it happened, and we've said it since. It's a big, big loss for sure. You're absolutely right. And especially on days where the pitching just continues to struggle like today, you see it even more. And it sucks when you look out at the pen on a day like today, even after Marinaccio was option, and guys like him and Clark Schmidt are down in AAA right now. It sucks. It really sucks. Regardless of the explanation about optioning and which players have one and which ones don't and what you'd have to do if you, you know, you'd have to DFA somebody if they don't have any options left. Regardless of that explanation, it just sucks that Marinaccio and Schmidt are not on the Major League roster as crucial bullpen arms right now. It just sucks. Not to mention that when it comes to the lineup, even though, you know, for the vast majority they've done a better job than the pitching the last month, no doubt about that, you also miss guys like Rizzo and Stanton. So, on the subject of this, just this team overall right now, and thank you for the reply, Mom, and thank the rest of you for the, the replies on social media. You guys know I love you guys so much for participating each and every week. You guys are the absolute best. But, yeah, basically final thoughts on the team overall right now, bouncing off of what my mom said, and just thinking of the team in general. Just, it's, it's really tough to watch them right now. These games are frustrating. Definitely no doubt as far as the regular season. I mean, it's fine. They're fine with the division lead. I think the Blue Jays won today, so that stinks. But, you know, they still have a monster lead in the division. If they lose today, they'll still be up by nine and a half games. So the division's still comfortable. The Astros lost, so they'll still have the best record in the American League after today, whether or not they lose this game. But aspects of the team are making it very frustrating right now. Last couple of days, they've they have even made stupid decisions on the bases. That's definitely been another big problem this past week. And just really stupid decisions on the base paths. Really weird. And they've they've been much better on the bases this year overall, as we know. But of late, they've been making some really stupid, head-scratching decisions on the bases. Of course, the pitching has been the majority of the problem. And hopefully, Efros and Trevino and Montes will continue to 
help the team going forward, they'll help the team because they are improvements factually over what they had before in those areas. Hopefully, Ben Intendi continues on a good trend from where he is today. Had himself a pretty decent day. And they just need guys like Rizzo and Stanton back as soon as possible. Stanton could possibly be back within the next week or so, hopefully by the Boston series next weekend. That's the hope, I hear. He's ramping up baseball activities even more this week from what I hear. Rizzo's still just having back difficulties, so hopefully he's back as soon as possible. Back? (laughs) Oh my god, I hate myself. Anyway... They got to get back on track here because this is a big West Coast swing here. The Yankees rarely do well on the West Coast. We know this. Whenever they go out there, they just have a difficult time. Seattle's up next, which speaking of that, I forgot to do what's up ahead at the end of recap, so I'll just do that real quick. Next three days are going to be in Seattle. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, three-game set. Tomorrow night's game is at 10-10 Eastern, as is Tuesday's, and Wednesday's game is at 4-10 Eastern. Another weekday day game. Hooray. Thursday, they have the day off, and then Friday, they go to Boston. Three-game weekend set at Fenway Park. 7-10 Eastern start is Friday night's game. That is also my girlfriend Victoria's birthday. Happy 26th, Victoria, ahead of time. I'll be the first to wish you that. Saturday, the 13th, the game is at 7-15. And Sunday, next weekend, I'll definitely be recording before the game since this is a night game and ESPN special, depending on how you define special. 7.08 Eastern, the next time we speak again on August the 14th. So that's the key going forward, guys. They did improve factually at the deadline. Those improvements should kick in shortly. Hopefully, Ben Intendi continues on a better trend like he has been the last couple of days. Montas, Efros, Trevino, as far as pitching is concerned, both bullpen and starting rotation. Hopefully, Trevino and Efros continue their good pitching, and Montas gets on track and shows how much of an improvement he is towards the top end of the rotation. And they get Rizzo and Stanton back as soon as possible. And then you go at it. Get back on track. But my God, what an appropriate episode title for today, huh? Between the mayhem of this episode, just the nature of this episode, (laughs) how long the episode is, over an hour and 40 minutes now. I think this is the longest Yapping Yankees episode ever. They just continue to get longer because who can shut me up? Nobody. (laughs) And just the mayhem of the trade deadline this past week and... The mayhem of the Yankee fan base as the Yankees are just, they look like they're about to lose their fifth in a row. Hopefully by the time I finish recording here, they mount a comeback in the ninth inning because they just got out of the eighth inning. It's still nine to eight and they get back on track. Got to face Seattle again up next and then Boston after. So we'll we'll see what happens this coming week, but got to get back on track. Let's end this skid that's been happening for the better part of the last month, month and a half. Got to get back on track here. Not that the regular season is in danger. I'm not concerned about that. But no good to be losing at this time of the year this much on this sort of a West Coast swing. And it's certainly not any sort of a mindset that any fan is interested in having right away to start the second half and also right after the trade deadline when improvements were made. So let's get back on track, Yanks. Enough is enough. These games have been very frustrating to watch. It's okay to be frustrated. I think it's a little too much to be calling for the end of the season. (laughs) And I see plenty of that on Twitter. I get that the last few years, people are tired of seeing the Yankees come up short. Trust me, I hear you. But they are still where they are positioning-wise in the American League overall, in the American League East. But these games are certainly frustrating. I hear you, and I want them to get back on the winning track. 
just as much as you do, and hopefully that happens sooner rather than later because this last week has sucked. But with that being said, that is all for episode 149 of Yapping Yankees today, my friends. I think it's safe to say that I have said all that I have to for today. (laughs) Remember to follow me on all socials, guys, if you do not already. Facebook fan page, Mike Scudero NY. Twitter, at Mike Scudero. And Instagram, MikeScuds97. Subscribe to Yapping Yankees on all four platforms it's available on. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. If you want to catch up on any episodes you might have missed, then you can because episodes 34 all the way up to 149 today are available on YouTube. And all Yapping Yankees episodes, including today's going all the way back to episode 1, are available on Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Once again... Thank you all 3,000 so much for listening to me yap today. As always, I am Mike Scudero, your host, and I will talk to you next Sunday, August 14th, when I come at you with the big 150, another milestone for Yapping Yankees, episode 150. But until then, you know the deal, guys. Hang in there, be patient, stay safe, look out for your loved ones. Yankees, get back on track. These games have freaking sucked lately, and although, of course, a slump is inevitable for any team in this long season, it's time to get back to some winning. So hopefully they manage to mount a comeback in the ninth inning right now. You guys will know whether they do or don't by the time you're listening to this, but I don't, so hopefully they do. If they don't, then get it together against Seattle and Boston this next week, and hopefully we can be a bit more positive come next Sunday the 14th. Have a good week, my friends. It's been a fun one. Take care.